Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This one is called Just Keep Swimming, Just Keep Swimming. Um, my name is Faye and I come out with this podcast every month. It's the first Friday of every month and you can catch me mainly on Instagram and on Ravelry, although I'm about to start doing quite a lot more on Pinterest. They've changed the game with Instagram again and it's becoming more and more difficult to see what people are posting and for people to see what I'm posting and I love Instagram but it's getting a little bit disheartening so I'm trying to find some different ways that I can keep on connecting with people that might have a bit more longevity so um, I'll keep you updated on all of that though. So it's been a busy old month. I've had, um, since I spoke to you last, I think I was just coming out of Wonderwall Wales and then I was preparing for Willet Junction 13, which I did. Um, and in the midst of all of that, we um, had the sad news that Matthew's mum was gravely ill and actually died. So got back from Willet Junction 13 and had to hightail it up to Scotland and um, had the funeral and all of that stuff to do and then back from that and then was on the road down to the John Arbin mill weekend so there's been some amazing stuff that has been happening this month but we are also dealing with um, the death of Matthew's mum which is hard. So I tend not to share loads of personal stuff on the podcast and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because it's a huge thing that's happened in my life and in our lives and um, Matthew's mum is the first one of our set of parents to actually not be with us anymore and that's really hard <laughs> um, the other reason I'm sharing it is because she was an amazing crafter she was what I would true, call truly multi-craftual um, her first sport was crochet um, but she also did a load of needle felting she, like me she just liked to be able to dabble in all sorts of things and I'll try and pop some photos in and some of some of the bits and pieces that she's made me over the years. I'm looking now at a beautiful felted birthday card that she made me of one of the black houses on one of her many um, trips to the Little Islands on the west of Scotland. I've got an amazing um, dragon that she made me. He's called Sven that she needle felted and he sits on a branch on my Fodermy wall. You know, she was an amazing crafter, so it's a huge loss on many, many levels. So I'm recording today, it's Tuesday, it's a Tuesday early afternoon, and we've just had a lovely bank holiday weekend here in the UK, and I've left the door slightly ajar because it's quite warm, um, and also I thought you might enjoy hearing all the little birds tweeting away. Um, I know sometimes you can pick it up in the audio. And as I was preparing for the podcast, we've got quite a nice high wall for a seating area that we've built just outside my office window. And a little robin came and sat on it. We, our birds are really, I wouldn't say tame, but they're used to us milling around the garden and they're very inquisitive. And it was a little fledgling robin who was all puffed up with his little baby feathers. And then he headed off into the bushes to grub about and try and find himself some food. Um, we've also got a load of green finches that are getting ready to fledge. We've got pigeons up in the tree and in our big sycamore tree we have a family of missile thrushes and they are beautiful, absolutely beautiful and they like grubbing about on the um, on the driveway. So when I sit and I craft in my little seating corner over at the house there's just an explosion of wildlife that happens in and around me and 
if I can before I put the podcast out, I'll see if I can use the telephoto lens and get some nice shots of all of the birds and wildlife that we've got just at our back door. Um, and I'll add them into the show notes um, if I can, if I manage to get any. Now that I've said I want to photograph them, of course, they'll all bog off and they won't come out and play. But I'll see what I can show you because I feel very privileged that we've got all of this wildlife that goes on and around just in our garden. It's lovely to sit and watch. And they, they come, you know, within a like a three to four metre radius of me and that's just close enough for them. So, shall we crack on? Um, I've got for you Old Dog New Tricks, Finished Objects, which is quite light because, you know, all the stuff has been happening, um, some works in progress, a new design in progress. I started yesterday, just I needed a bit of a chill out day and so I started out on a new um, bag, which I'll tell you all about. There's also Feeding the Habit and we've got some um, some big up for you and uh, news beats, quick news beats and a jador or two. So, old dog new tricks. This one's a bit of a double whammy actually. Um, I'm in various groups and one of the things that quite frequently comes up is people asking whether the tension or gauge stated on a pattern is blocked or unblocked. And normally what it would be is unblocked tension or gauge unless the pattern tells you differently. So I'm using one of my patterns as an example for you. And what I tend to do is put in the um, blocked tension and the unblocked tension. So you can take your pick as to which one you want to go by if you want to do a double check on it. And in the same vein, I will always give you unblocked dimensions. Um, I try and always give what it is I've pinned it out to because I wet block everything. And then I give you what my final blocked dimensions were as well. That's quite unusual. Not all designers do that. So if they don't specify what is unblocked or blocked, I personally would take it as read that it's uh, that's unblocked tension or gauge that they are giving you. Um, if you're really not sure if yours is wildly different from what the designer has put down, then I would say ping them a message and ask them um, what it was that they were meaning to specify within that pattern. I quite often manage to get, um, in crochet and knitting, the stitch count right for tension, and I'm always out on the row count every single time. Um, so I end up having to muck about with patterns anyway, and you know me. I always muck about with patterns because I can't just do what somebody has told me to do. So I always have to have a little fiddle. Um, the other thing that I would say, one of the things that came to light in a discussion was that lots of people tend not to block for shawls. Um, and I can see why that would be the case if you knew that you were going to have lots of yarn left. But that's not always the case with a shawl. And so I would encourage you all to actually do a little... Um, tension gauge swatch for even for shawls I think it's worth it um, and again I'll give you loft as an example because what I encourage you to do it starts at the um, the narrowest point what I encourage you to do is start that as your tension square and then if it's off on the first section it's not that much to rip it out and start it again and that way you're not using up um, your 
precious wool and yarn on a tension square um, but you're actually starting to work on the pattern and getting to grips with the pattern. Now one of the other things I do but again not every designer does is I will tell you how much you need to buy and I will also tell you how much you need to use. So for loft in yarn A you use 90 grams, in B you use 88 grams and in C you use 91 grams and I've given the meterage there as well so it's 360, 352, 364. Um, and what that tells you hopefully as the user is that on yarn C you only have 9 grams left so you've got less than 10% of your yarn that would be there for a leeway yarn. So if I was reading a pattern like that what I would do is look at that and think right, uh, this is one that I need to swatch for because if I'm wildly out and quite a bit looser, then I might not make it to the end of that pattern with um, the yarn that I've got. And the other thing that I would encourage you to do is look at what the meterage is. It's a mistake to think that a four-ply is a four-ply is a four-ply. I have now seen um, four-plies that are down to 325 metres per 100 grams up to 425 metres per 100 grams. So that's a whole hundred extra metres in between the two for what you could be trying to make one shawl out of. So definitely worth swatching and definitely also trying to get something with the same meterage yards um, per 100 grams as is set out in the pattern. And also, I've talked about this before, but you're... Um, your yarn mix, the blend will have an impact on it as well. So if you want something that is going to come out like the designers, then you need to be looking for the same meterage um, yards per 100 grams and you also need to be looking for roughly the same blend or as close to it as you can get. And that will give you the best chance of producing something with the same drape, the same thickness, the same weight, the same look and feel about it as the designer has got. I mean, by all means, also do what I do, which is fiddle about to your heart's content. But I do that safely in the knowledge that I know my shawl is, or whatever I'm making is then not going to be the same as the the one that the designer has laid out. So definitely, definitely swatch if you think you're going to be right on it with your yarn. I mean, if you've got loads of that yarn, then not an issue, you can do do whatever you like but if you think you're right on the limits of it working for the pattern um, swatching is your best way forward. One of the future old dog new tricks that I want to work on and probably make it quite a big piece is all about colour choices. I know that um, many people are comfortable making colour choices and mixing things up beyond what a designer has suggested but I also know that lots of people are uncomfortable with making those choices and they will, a designer will make it in a colour that they like and they will follow that route exactly. So what I want to try and do is pull together some information that will help people to make their own colour choices, help them to understand what their colour palette is and how they can mix and match. I mean personally when I look at all of the information on the colour wheel I find it mind-boggling so this is as much for me as it is for anybody else um, but I I think it would be nice to have a quick blog post that's really informative and helps you channel um, what colours you like and how you can bring that to your crafting. So 
that's one of the things I would like to be working on over the summer. It's a discussion that I've been having with um, Jill from Chicago um, because she's one of the people that isn't that comfortable in making colour choices. So I'm going to see if I can pull something quite comprehensive but simple to read through um, that will help everybody to look at colour in a slightly different way and maybe be a little bit bolder, which is always one of my issues. I've got the colours I like and I want to be able to start pulling in little bits of colours that I wouldn't normally go to. And yeah, being a little bit bolder with my colour choices. Not everything has to be navy and teal and copper. Though I do love, love, love navy and teal and copper. <laughs> so, final destinations. It's a bit socky today. Um, because one of the things I wanted to give you some feedback on, you may remember from last time, Matthew went off um, mountain climbing and he was trying out two different, well, three different types of socks. So he wore a pair that I'd made him, which was in Gilly's Fjord Fibres troll sock yarn. I sent him up the mountain in a pair of um, my Mini Mania sock design ones. And they use the Rivernet's um, BFL, 100% BFL superwash, so it has no nylon in it. And I was testing with that, one, to see how the yarn would work, but also how the construction would work with the stripes that I've um, used within that design. And then he took up one of his standard pairs of merino walking socks. And he took some beautiful photos for me, which I'll, I'll add in. And he said that his favourite were the Fjord Fibre socks. He said they were really, really warm, um, but they were so squishy that they really protected his feet. So normally when Matthew's off walking, he would come back home with blisters and he didn't have any blisters on his feet whatsoever. Um, he also had to go through a Ford with the Fjord Fibre's um, socks on. And... He said that when he'd gone through the Ford, he spent like an hour or so um, just chilling out on a nice little dry patch. And pretty much within the hour, his socks were lovely and dry, ready to put back on his feet. Um, the next day, he wore the River Nets ones, which again, he really liked. They're not as squishy, so there's not as much um, padding within those socks, but they're quite a lot lighter weight. So I think the difference is that the Fjord Fibres is 350 metres per 100 grams and the Rivernet is 400 metres per 100 grams. So that's quite a difference in the amount of bounce and wool that you've got in your sock for each metre. Um, he really loved those as well, didn't have any issues with them. Again, no rubbing. They were really good at wicking away the moisture and they were comfortable on him. And his least favourite of all were his standard merino walking socks that is a total win for handmade socks and um, he said the fact that they have been tailored to his feet so they don't slip they aren't too tight they are just the right length made all the difference for him and his walking so he definitely is now one that wants more hand knitted socks in his life so that's a definite um, nice little set of side projects that I'll keep on working through and making him lots of socks. And I've noticed now that when he's got hand-knitted socks in his wardrobe, they are the ones that he's going to go and put on and wear because he just much prefers them. So, um, yeah, I need to make him another pair before we do the Three Peaks Challenge, which is in about two and a half weeks. So I 
better get cracking with that. But um, yeah, it was an absolute win for hand-knitted over shop-bought for walking socks. And I know I had, I can't remember your name, sorry, somebody um, emailed me and asked me questions about what yarns I would um, basically say are great for walking. And I, I so said those two, but essentially any good, squishy, knock knock wool for hand knitting is going to be good go so that's where those two pairs of socks ended up and were very well received and then my only other thing to report back on is another pair of socks that i have made for matthew's sister um for obvious reasons she is a lady who needs a bit of a hug and some love at the moment and so i made her a pair of socks because it's one of the things I can do. I like to be practical and help people out and I don't think anything is nicer than somebody having something handmade for you. So she has a new pair of socks which I need to send up to Scotland. And um, for these I used Lang Yawal. I've got quite a lot of this in my stash because I bought a load of it when um when I was over in Munich a couple of years back. It's a really nice sock yarn. And it's one of those that comes with the little um, reel of extra um, yarn in it, which is a reinforcement yarn, which I always put into the toes. I have put it into the heels before now, but actually I don't, because I do a slip stitch heel, I feel that it probably doesn't actually need it for that. But the toes, um, it definitely needs it on. So if you're ever using that yarn, and you're questioning whether or not to put the reinforcement thread into the toes, I have a sock, one that has it and one that hasn't, and the one that hasn't is definitely wearing through, and I can see my toenails through it when I've got those socks on, but I can't on the sock that has got the reinforcement thread in it. So it's a really lovely yarn to work with. It's 75% um, wool, 25% nylon. It's a nice even wool. Um, it's... A good one to crochet with as well because it's not too fibrous and what I actually found I have crocheted in the grey of this one it was socks that I was making um that felt slightly more fibrous than this one and um this one was a lot smoother so there may be differences not necessarily in the colour but it might be a, a yarn that you would want to buy when you've got it face to face so you can see um, how smooth it's going to be and how easy it is to crochet with. I find that if things are too fibrous, the the fibres get caught on the hook and it makes my crocheting more difficult. So I'm rather pleased with these and I know they fit her because when we were up in Scotland I had finished one but I forgot to take the second bon of wool with me so I couldn't finish it off when I was up there. So um, I, I got her to try one on, which she did. Um, yeah. So they are heading their way up to Scotland and I'll pack them up with a few other little bits and pieces and goodies and nice things that she can have. And honestly, that is it for Final Destination. In part because of all the shenanigans, everything that's been going on, but also because lots of the en route works and progresses that I've got are quite chunky. They're, they're quite big, so... And I'm working on them all, like I'll do a little bit of one and then the next and then the next. So it feels like I'm never actually getting to the end of anything. I will move on to en route. 
<laughs> and um, show you what else I have been working on. First up is my straw brush off, which is by Sarah Hazel. So I've shown you this, I think, a couple of times so far. Um, and it's really coming together now. I'm very chuffed with it. I'm using a 3.5mm hook for this. The pattern calls for a 3mm hook, I think. And I liked the texture with, uh, with a 3.5mm and also I'm quite a tight crochet. Um, the other factor is that Sarah's suggested yarn is 350 meters per 100 grams and I'm using a skinny merino which is although it's 400 um, meters per 100 grams I know that merino when I wet block it kind of poofs up quite a lot so I didn't want to crochet it too tightly and then wet block it and then make a really dense fabric with it um, so I was I was kind of future proofing myself for getting the type of fabric that I wanted. Now here's a you know going back to what I was saying in Old Dog New Tricks I didn't swatch for this I think I started straight off with the 3.5 I liked the stitch definition that I was getting and so I just left it at that and one of the reasons that I didn't swatch for it was because the pattern calls for um, three skeins are 350 meters per 100 grams and mine is 400 so therefore I've automatically got more yarn than would be required even if I move up to a 3.5 mil hook because I'm a tight crochet and also the pattern the way it is I could stop at any time so when it gets to be the size I want it to be then that's it done now I will photograph this and pop photos of it into the show notes because I love the construction of this. It's very clever and I'm hoping it's picking up on screen. I'll certainly make sure it does in the photos. But it almost looks like it's done in two separate pieces because of the way that the stripes come off it and it's it's not. So I won't give much away because it's a paid for pattern. It's one set of stitches and then fans and the fans lay on top of each other and because of that it looks like they're coming off at a different angle. I really really love it. It's it's a nice design and it's quite a large shawl that is quite um, it's quite architectural which is one of the things that I like in a shawl. Um, it's got lovely detail on it and it's a very easy shawl to wear. Um, you might be able to see that it's got two different tones to it and I have got the potential to put a third skein into this but my third skein was dyed with oak gall and it's really quite a dark charcoal colour so what I'm going to do because there's a little bit of a difference between my, my first colour and my second both of which were dyed with birch bark I'm going to see how big it is once I've got to the end of this second ball and if I think it could do with being a little bit bigger then I will add the third colour on because actually what it will do is give me a three stripe colour within the shawl as well and then at the end of that I will take a call on whether or not I like the colour and whether I want to over dye it. As it stands at the moment I'm not so happy with the light beige colour but I might love it by the time I've got this um, all of the darker stripe in and I've also got the charcoal in if I end up doing that 
it's already a bit of a whopper and like I say I know it poofs up and this will um, work block out and extend so it might be that by the time I get to the end of the second skein that actually I'm happy with the size and I'm ready to move on to another project but it's a lovely easy pattern to memorise it's just six rows and away I don't need to refer to the pattern I can just take this out with me wherever I'm going and work away on on my pattern very pleased with the way it's working up. I'm just not so sure about the colour, so we'll see. I may have to ask my dye guru that is uh, Becky at Rivernets if I'm going to overdye this one, what should I overdye it with? Because she, she just knows colours and knows how to mix them all and um, get what it is I want at the end of it. So that's my main crochet um, en route. It's um, it's probably, probably I'm not signing up to anything, but I will probably have that done come next podcast in in July. I'm hoping so, because I'd like to be able to wear it. It's a lovely, because it's quite an open shawl, it's a good one for kind of evening times when I'm sat out in the garden and I just need something over me. And again, it's large enough that I could probably use it as a lap blanket if I need it as well. And the cat seems to be a bit partial to it, so he'll quite happily sit on my lap um, on that when I'm out in the garden. My next um, en route, I did talk about a little bit about um, last podcast. And I, I won't show it off in any great detail because I'll show it off to you when it is a final destination. But I've made quite a bit of progress on my second loft knitted shawl. I'm coming up for being about halfway through the stripe section, so that's not halfway through the stitches, unfortunately, but I'm halfway through the um, the length of it. I really love these grapey colours that I've got going with the John Arbin Knit by Numbers um, range. It was a good choice. And I've had lots of feedback from people as well, saying that they, um, they like the fact that it gives them easy colour choices because of the way that I've set this design up and the way that you choose your colours because they can just go to their favourite colour and they know what they need to do to get a very similar um, looking effect in their shawl. So that's been great to, to hear about and know that it's working for people that, as I said, maybe aren't as um, colour confident as other people. But yeah, I'm really enjoying this. Again, <clears throat> nice mindless knit, which is pretty much what I need at the moment. I don't need my brain to be boggled. There's just there's just too much going on and I don't need extra hassle right now, to be truthful. Um, so yeah, hopefully, again, come next month, that will be a finished object because I'm really trying to motor through things and clear my desk ready for all of the really cool stuff that I want to do in the summertime. My third one you haven't seen at all, partly because I've put it down for a while and I thought I was going to have this done for um, Edinburgh Yarn Festival. <laughs> That's laughable. That didn't happen. Um, and it's now quite a heavy project, so I, do, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's going to be finished anytime soon because... Um, we're on about 25 degrees out there at the moment and um, yeah I just can't I can't see me wanting to pick this up as my favourite project 
although I am on a sleeve, so that's obviously much easier. So what it is, is a knitted jumper. It's called Joy. It's called Joy Ride, but the way they've written it on the pattern, it looks like it's, sorry, it's called Joy Side, but the way they've written it on the pattern, it looks like it's called Joy Ride, which I thought, well, that's an odd name for a jumper. Why have they called a jumper a Joy Ride? Um, but it's not, it's Joy Side, which I still think is a bit of an odd name. Um, but I can show you, this is a free pattern, which is on Ravelry. It's, a, it's from Drops Design Team. And it is my first ever kind of colour work yoked sweater. And they've got it in a series of colours across the yoke. And I've adapted it a little because, you know, I can't possibly just do what the pattern says. But I'm using quite a bright acidy yellow colour, which was one of the Shropshire ply colours I got from Yoon Ply in Shrewsbury when Tanya and um, Becca started doing their own dyeing, which they are going great guns with. Um, so I've matched that up with the grey that I bought when I was on the Outer Hebrides last year. You may remember I said that I wanted to get a couple of jumpers worth and I did the Shillistern, um top with it and then I also got a load of the Berlin Yarn Company. Um, I bought enough for a sweater's worth. And this one is called Storm Grey and it's the Hebridean sheep. And I think it is. It's a blend of Hebridean and Cheviot and it's quite a light DK that I've got. Um, so yeah, that's working up really nicely. And I will only it will only be grey and yellow for me. So I'm almost at the point where I'm ready to split for the yoke I've probably got maybe about another five centimeters or so to go oh my word knitting in the round and knitting in the round with DK so much easier than a four ply cardigan <laughs> this is a much much faster project than any other um, garment that I've ever tried knitting crochet garments crochet up really quite quickly um, by comparison but this had definitely swayed me towards um, DK garments for my future because it's just so much faster um, and you're just reaping those rewards much more quickly. And um, that makes me happy, frankly. So I am a little bit up the second sleeve. and I'll keep on working on that throughout the summer um, because the sleeve is nice and portable and easy to do. And again, it's very easy to memorise so that I know um, where I am within the pattern so I can take just this out as a little project if I want. Um, but yeah, quite pleased to have one in a bit sleeves done and almost be ready to split for the yoke. But this will most definitely be ready for winter time. So hopefully in about September, October time, I'll be able to record a podcast wearing my first yoked sweater and one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I want to increase my knowledge of yoke sweater construction so that I can start applying that to crocheted garments. I really want to start designing some crocheted garments and I think because of my love of um, colour work crochet, intarsia or tapestry crochet, I think I can probably bring those elements to garments and, and hopefully create something that's really quite nice and unusual. 
and we can up the amount of crocheted garments that are available too and also the amount of garments that could be transferable from female to male depending on your colour choices so that's although on face value this probably doesn't feel crochet related there's definitely method there I'm just I'm kind of learning the trade of garments and seeing how they work ready to be able to apply it to my own design work so that's quite exciting um, but yeah so it's it's all go on the big project at the moment and hopefully I'll have a couple to actually maybe show off properly as finished objects at the end well at the beginning of the next podcast moving on into designs in progress you really remember um, a couple of months back I gave myself the mantra of stop being a magpie I just need to be more worker bee because I get easily distracted by the new ideas my brain is just like it buzzes all day long with ideas with creativity and I really struggle to filter it down and do the things I really need to do for example my tax return that's the other thing that I've been working on in the last couple of weeks it's late because I get taken up with the new and shiny rather than doing what I have to do so what I've been trying to do is finish off designs that I already have in progress to get them done before I move on to the next one. That said, yesterday I could wait no longer. <laughs> and I, like I said, it was um, bank holiday Monday and I just, I just needed something new in my life, something that hadn't been previously kind of started. I just wanted a brand new project. And so I started a bag that um, I had actually already worked out all of the design and all of the charts for. I can show you it. And I'll pop photos up in the show notes. But it's called Stalach, um, which is Gaelic for striped or stripy. And it's exactly that. The idea is that it's a um, crocheted bag using colour work techniques. And... Um, it uses cotton, so it's really hard wearing, go through the washing machine. And the idea is that it will be sized to take a laptop or A4 document. So it's very usable either as a bit of a shopper or as what could be quite a classy tote bag for work. If you needed something that you can define how long the handles are. Um, this is actually one that I put in for a submission for um, a magazine for Pom Pom Quarterly and it wasn't accepted and I hummed and hard about whether I put it out anyway and I thought well yes I really love the design it's stripy it uses um, Ericanite's Gossipium cotton which you know I really love the way that this works up for crochet it doesn't split it's very even, it's it's really nice to crochet with, it doesn't hurt your hands, um, and it is 100% cotton, and it's a, it's a standard DK weight, so 50 grams is 100 metres. And Erica has brought out a load of different colours with this new cotton, and so I decided that I was going to use... Um, some quite funky colours. I put them up on Instagram because I've got quite a lot of this cotton. So I'm probably going to make this bag quite a few times to show different colour combinations and how they could work. Um, and I'm, tr I'm going to try and show this off to its best in the photos and with what I show you now on screen. But it's quite difficult because 
because it's colour work, you end up with lots of little balls of yarn, which you have to manage, which can be a pain in the backside. Um, but I love it. I was so pleased I started this yesterday because mentally I just needed, I, I just needed something new. And given that I had the design ready and I could just start it off, I was I was so chuffed. So it is a bright, bright um pink. I say bright, it is bright, but it's got it's also quite muted, it's quite dusky in its own right. Um matched up with a jade green, matched up with a teal petrol blue. So this is the bright version. And then I've also colour combinationed um, quite a light mustard, a black and a white, and that would be the B colourway because still be obsessed. And then there's a soft grey and a pink and a lighter grey, I think. So that's the kind of lovely pastel tonals. And then the other one is quite a bright orange and um, a lovely mid blue with, I think, a light grey. Um, and lots of people said that that was their favourite combination, which that really surprised me. This one and the the blue, orange, grey one came out as favourites for me to work on. And do you know what? I put that one at the end of it and nearly didn't show it on Instagram. And that's that was the favourite. But meantime, I'd already started on my bright pink teal jade um, version. So I'm almost a third of the way up the bag. So you can imagine it is going to be tall enough to take a laptop and I'm going to give it a little bit of a rim that tucks inside and hopefully quite a bit of clever construction that gives you um, a double hole, which means that your handles have got more security and you should have less of that tug that you get when you've got something heavy in your bag. And also a way of doing it so that your bag can be lined without showing any of the... Um, sewing on the outside of your crocheted part of the fabric so um, yeah and hopefully I'll be able to give instructions for all of that in um, in the pattern as well so it will be a lined cotton bag which could just as easily be used as a beach bag and you will be able to have flexibility of whichever handles you want so um, I think with these ones, I'm using a new set of bag candles, which I'll show you in the next podcast. Now, the reason that I had to get cracking with this bag also, it wasn't just that I wanted new and shiny in my life. Um, but this is going to be my birthday bag pattern this year. I decided about a month and a half ago that um, every birthday, like I did last year, I will offer up a free pattern. And... I just I love crocheting bags so I thought I will do it it will always be a birthday bag pattern because <laughs> I'm going to encourage all of you to love crocheting bags as well. Um so I don't quite know what the mechanism will be maybe the same as last time where there's a discount code on my actual birthday in July not a discount code but like a a free code. Um and you then get this for free. And then it goes on for sale. So, yeah, this has to be ready. Hopefully in at least a couple of colours come next podcast so that I can show it off to you all. But I literally started this yesterday at maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. I worked on it and working out what the final sizes were um, up until maybe about half eight last night. So that was me working out how I 
how I wanted the bag to look, how wide I wanted it to be. And then I maybe did about an hour on it this morning. So it's a very quick make. And I just I love the fact that you can you can use any cotton. It doesn't have to be the Gossipium cotton from Erica. But it's it's always my preferred choice. I love working with it. Um, as long as it's got the same meterage, you should get roughly the same effect. And you can knock yourself out for whatever colours you want. You can make an all blue version. You could take it down to two different colours if you want. You can really play about with this one. So I'm rather chuffed and excited by this one. And if perchance uh, I have done a load more of what while I am editing the podcast, then what I'll do is show you photos of it as as I've moved up through the pattern so you can see you can get a better idea of how it's going to look in its final stages. So yeah, that is um Stellach. Lisa, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So although I've said in Gaelic it means um striped or stripey, I personally would have pronounced it Stialich. That's how my Scottish brain would read Stialich because it's S-T-I-E-L-L-A-C-H. But I, before I came online to do the recording, I um, I went to a kind of wiki pronounce, I think it is, and it tells you how things should be pronounced, and it said, Stella. <laughs> that could have just been the person and their pronunciation. So it's either going to be the Stellach bag or the Stialich bag. Uh, Lisa, it's down to you to tell me, is it option one, Stellach? Or is it option to Stialich? Um, please let me know what I should be saying. Thank you. <laughs> but I really like this idea of um, taking um, Gaelic words and applying them to the equivalent of what it is that I'm making as my design and and having a kind of a multilingual approach to my design names as well. So that's why I've gone with that for this. It just seems easier. So that is the bag. And um, yeah, I'm going to be cracking on with that because it's my new favourite. It's my new favourite uh, work in progress. Um, do you all do the same? Do you just, you don't fall out of love with the other bits, but you just, they don't, they don't float your boat in quite the same way and you want to move on to something else. Does everybody else get that? I mean, I do always finish projects, but it just means that they all take a little bit longer. I'm wondering whether I should become more of a monogamous crafter. Like for each, so have one knitting on the go, one crochet on the go, one embroidery on the go. But I'm not sure that's how my brain reacts, and I think my brain probably needs more stimulation than that. What won't help with that is um, one of the things that I'll tell you about in Feeding the Habit, because I have a new rabbit hole to drop down into and it's quite a lengthy drop so in feeding the habit I have a few bits and pieces to show you I was really good last month and then this month uh, not so much but that's because I went to the John Arbin mill weekend with my friend Beck. we had a lovely day and I'll show you the bits and pieces that I got there but I've had a few other bits and pieces come in and two bits of kit, three bits of kit actually, which I'm really, really excited about. I'm just working out what order to tell you all <laughs> it about. Um, first up, I have been collecting lots of little pin badges 
and I get given some for free and I, you know, people pass them on to me and some of them I've bought and I've started adding them all to my Sugar Skull badge, um, project bag. And one of the ones I've got in this month is the new one that Chrissy from Chrissy Crafts has come up with. So her podcast strapline is Life is One Big Whip and she's created this lovely pink pin with that strapline on it. Um, so thank you Chrissy who sent me that, I love it. It went straight on the bag which is right beside um, one that I had from Clarissa Beth, Brit Yarn one, my Susan Crawford one and then in other pin news I also had some from Claudia. So I have got her Crochet Luna podcast one and her um, Crochet Sisters Yarn Loving one and also her Crochet Friends one. And these are actually now available. Those three from Claudia are now available in my shop. So um, shipping is really expensive from America. And so what we've done is... Um, made these available in the shop and you can go and get them now. So they're £7.25 and shipping is £1.50 and I think the way that the shipping works out is that I could get all three to you for £1.50 um, if you're in the UK but if you're in Europe then it's cheaper still to come through my shop and Claudia gets the money for them so um, yeah if you wanted some of Claudia's badges and she's got loads of new ones coming out as well then um, I'll provide the website at the bottom where you can get them from, depending on which country you're in. So yes, I've had lots of new exciting pin badges added to my collection, which is great. So that's number one. Tech-wise, I have a new spinning wheel. So thank you to everybody that came back to me um, in comments last time and give me tips and advice on um, spinning wheels. The reality of the situation is the one that I had didn't have spare bobbins with it. It was a bit of a bespoke made one, and so bobbins would have to be made for me, and it was ju it was just going to be a pain, and I really just didn't like the wheel anyway. I'd, I'd taken against it. <laughs> and lovely Joe, who is dancing goat crafts and comes to Wool Gathering Sandbatch, my crafting group, she um she was selling her Ashford Traveller, which is one from the I think it's a 1970s model. It's really lovely. It's dark wood, so it's not like the new modern ones which are very paired back in light wood. This is a beautiful old spinning wheel and I, I love it for that. I really, really like it. And um I tested it out and it's a really lovely wheel, and so that's what I now have. And I haven't given it a proper run yet, but I will do. And it comes with all the bobbins. It's just, it's ready to go and it's it's very easy for me. And also I know that Joe has serviced it all, so I know it's in mint condition and any issues are um, operator issues rather than anything else to do with the wheel. It's down to me and my lack of um, spinning skill, basically. So I know that when I start my spinning journey, I'm, I've done it from the best possible starting point and I know that it's just stuff that I need to rectify, hopefully rather than anything about the wheel other than kind of tension issues. So 
that is very exciting that I now have a proper spinning wheel that I love and adore and it's very um, usable. It's sat in the kitchen and I can just pull it outside on a lovely day and sit and spin outside. And I'll come on to all the fibre that I have now bought to accompany my new spinning wheel. <laughs> um, the other bit of kit that I have got is my laser cutter arrived. <laughs> Some of you may remember that I have been waiting for a laser cutter to come for months. I ordered it back in September last year. I expected to get it in November. I didn't and it's finally arrived and I haven't yet had the time to have a proper proper play with it. I've cut a couple of little bits out straight from their catalogue um, and there's so much more that I can do with it but I need you know what I was talking about earlier, new and shiny? I'm not allowed to play until I've done my tax return. When I've done my tax return, then I'm allowed to really get to grips with the laser cutter and see what I can do. But I have got so many plans for this thing. Um, and one of the one of the ideas that came forward was when I was at um, Woolwich Junction 13, across from me was Maria, who is Tinky Dye Yarns. And she does really full on bright colourways, like proper unicorn poop colourways. And this was the most muted one that she had. And then when I picked it up, I realised that it's from her Outlander series and it's called The Stones. So it's a superwash merino nylon, um, 100 grams, 400 metres. And it's, like I say, it's lovely muted. It's on a grey base. And it has kind of lichen speckled colours, grey, green, brown. It's very, very muted. And this is going to be, a, I think, a pair of socks for my nephew uh, for his walk up the three peaks. So he's going to get a pair of socks in two and a half weeks time. Probably, possibly. That's what I need to do. Um, so... Then we, we started chatting about Outlander and I was saying my normal thing of, yes, but it's a load of tosh, but it's tosh that you can't stop watching, but you know it's tosh when you're watching it. Like, the acting is not great, the dialogue's flaming awful, but you still have to watch it. And um, I was talking about the laser cutter machine and then we started talking about if we were to do a bunch of Outlander stitch markers, well, what would they look like? And number one of the list was a stitch marker of Jamie's bum. <laughs> So I might have to make that happen. There was uh, bagpipes, there was a tamashanter, the stones, maybe um, lalibroch. There was all sorts. We've come up with this whole range of ideas that I could be creating stitch markers from uh, that will go with anything Outlander, basically. So that might have to be one of the first things that I ping out of the laser cutter is to send Maria uh, a Jamie's bum stitch marker. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's one of the... In fact, I think that's the only thing that I purchased at Woolwich Junction 13. In part because I was there doing it myself, so I didn't really get a chance to leave my stall and go and do anything else. But it was a, it was a good show, I enjoyed myself. Um, but yeah, hard work doing two shows, one like with only a weekend's rest in between. So... That was Tinky Dye. And then, and then, I got some stuff at the John Arbor Mill weekend. So first of all, I wanted to go and speak to Andy, 
who is wool tops, and Andy sources quite a lot of the fibre for John to put through the um, through the mill. And he has the connections in with the farmers over in the Falklands, where most of the merino comes from. And so this is uh, Falklands wool, and he actually was able to show me a photo of the farm that this wool had come from. And I wasn't going to buy anything in this quantity, but to be fair, it was £5 a hank, so I could get a jumper's quantity of pure wool that's been spun in the UK for £30. I got six hanks. I probably only need five, but I got six just so that I'm covered. It's a DK, so it's 200 metres per 100 grams. Um, and it's this lovely heathered grey colour, which I thought grey dyes up really nicely. So even if I don't want another grey jumper because the joyside, joyride one that I'm doing is grey, then it wouldn't be too far-fetched for me to actually dye all six skeins and um, create a different colour jumper from them. But I thought for £5 a skein, I'm in, and in DK, not 4-ply, cha-ching, um, I thought that that was just such a good deal and one that I shouldn't really pass up given that I know exactly what the provenance of this wool is um, right the way through from growth through to spinning. So... And it smells so sheepy. It's lovely. So I seem to have a jumper's quantities worth of that. But like I say, it was an absolute bargain. So I really had to go with it. And one of the other things that they do at the mill is they get, keep all of their little um, mini bits. The bits that don't make it forward for whatever reason. Whether it's been production or they don't quite make up a skein. Or it's just the end of a run or there's been a fault with it. And they do it as kind of little mill end mini skeins. And what they'll also do sometimes is ply up two different colours. So you get a really different type of a mill-end skein that you just will never see on their website. It's just one of those things that they sell during their mill weekend or if you get into their stand very quickly on, um, let's say, at Yarndale, you might find that they've got a load of mill-ends on the Saturday morning, but they go pretty rapidly because these tend to be the little ones that um, I got. I think they were five for a pound for these tiny little mini skeins. And they're singles, they're like a little skinny single. So I've got a really dark um, teal, mid-teal, light teal, and then two dark greys. And I just, I couldn't say no to this colour combination. And there was a lady that got to the table just ahead of me, and she basically picked out all of the mustard, and every single last bit of mustard. I don't know what she was going to do with it, but she was, you know, she was as much of a mustard lover as I am. So... I'm thinking a little bit of colour work, but I really quite like having these little mini skeins from um, from the John Arbin mill in my stash because quite, quite often I'll need to knock up something little and it doesn't really matter if I don't know what the yarn is and what the weight is, I just need something to work on and these are absolutely perfect in a very cost effective way. So they might be um, like little preemie hats or something and you know various little bits and pieces that I'll do for charity and it just means I've got a kind of a little stash of affordable but um, British spun wool available to me um, yeah and then you'll get some really odd mixes as well so this one is 
60% Exmoor and Blueface Leicester, 25% Gotland and 15% Silk. And what they do with the mill end bits that aren't in the five for a pound is it's £3.50 per 100 grams. So you can pick up lots of interesting little bits again. And I add them, sometimes these will go into amigurumi projects or all sorts of different bits and pieces where I just need a little bit. But it's interesting to have those different blends. You would never potentially see them sell anywhere else, but you can pick up at the mill weekend and at some of the shows they vend at. So I got those little odds and sods. So I think I mentioned previously that I have to remake all of the designs I do for John and Julia Orban and you just get through one and then you don't really want to start working on another straight away. But um, my pattern basalt is actually proven quite popular on online and it shows it sells really well but I don't have one to show off. And I asked quite a few people at Woolwich Junction 13 that were buying the pattern and said I need to remake it, here are the shade cards, what shade would you like to see it remade in? And everybody came back and said, it has to be the grey, you have to stick to the grey because of the geological connotations, it is the basalt columns that you get on Giant's Causeway and at Fingal's Cave. And um, so what I did when I was down at the mill weekend was I chose um, from the same range of greys as I did the original in, but I just chose um, some lighter shades. So the main body of my second version of Basalt is going to be in Knit by Numbers 06 and the 4-ply. And the little hexagons that form the tops of the Basalt columns, they're going to be in Knit by Numbers 04, which is a mid, good mid charcoaly grey. And that way I've still got something that is representative of what's shown on the pattern photo. I don't feel like I'm doing exactly the same design again in the same colours. So There's a slight difference there. But the overwhelming point that people made was it's really classy in the grey. Why would you detract from that? Um, not everything needs to be really brightly coloured. And so grey it is. So I picked this up as well because I was there and I could just fiddle. I've got all of the shade cards, but even with them, I actually still like having larger kind of pops of the colour in front of me for something like this. Um, so yeah, I was quite pleased to be able to pick that up. And another basalt shall be made this summer. Um, it's quite an easy pattern to pick up and put down because it's quite repetitive. So that's, you know, that's one that I can keep taking over. One of the other people that was at the mill weekend is um, Rachel from Daughter of a Shepherd. Now, I started mentioning Rachel probably about two years ago when she brought out her first yarn, which was using the um, the Hebridean from her father's flock. And the one that I've got here is 100% Hebridean. And I've been spending quite a bit of time this summer at the shows I go to trying to consolidate my stash and have, if I've got a single skein of something special, trying to pair it off with something else that works with it. So when I saw... Um, Rachel, what she had, she was vending there at the mill weekend, she had a little stand, but she had a new load of yarns that she has called basically Ram Jam, from the Ram Jam collection. And I spoke to her about it and asked what the deal was behind it. And basically the, the person that shears her father's flock, he shears lots of little flocks. And this is one of the things that you'll find is that lots of 
um, small holders have got maybe four to 20 sheep and it's the fleece isn't necessarily enough to do something with. So quite often the fleece will go to waste, it will be composted, it will be burnt, but it won't be collected up and used. And what has happened with the Ram Jam collection is Rachel has bought all of those different fleeces from the person that shares her dad's flock. And rather than doing it by um, like breed, which would be one way to look at it, what she's done is sorted, sorted out the fleeces as to colour. So she's got a range of natural colours. And then this is all... So the one that I'm holding up is the cream in the range that she has. So she can't tell me what's in it because it's a total mix of breeds. But what it means is that these fleeces aren't going to waste. They're actually being processed and they are being spun. And normally, like I say, they would be composted, they would be burned, they would be buried. They just wouldn't be used um, in many of the cases. So that's what the Ram Jam element is, basically. It's a total mishmash of different types of breeds, but it is, they're all within the same colour range. And that um, I got because I think it pairs up beautifully and the meterage is very, very similar and it pairs up really nicely with the Hebridean that I've got. I've had this for over two years now not done anything with it and I just love the idea of maybe some colour work with the dark chocolatey licorice brown of the Hebridean and using this cream of the Ram Jam as a proper pop of colour coming through. So that now allows me to start using um, the Hebridean. I had bought another skein probably almost 18 months ago to go with the um, Hebridean and it just did it's not the weight wasn't quite right so hence I've been looking for something that I can pair up with this so chuffed about that I'll provide links again in the show notes and in the boxes below if you want to know more about the Ram Jam but it pleases me no end to have something in my stash that is making good use of resources that otherwise potentially would be wasted so yeah happy about that and then the other stuff that I got from the mill was fibre because of the spinning wheel. So um, Beck and I both, um, we got a load of 100 grams of loads of different breeds and then um, Beck split them down for me. So we've got 50 grams each. So we've got lots of, um, Beck is also doing some work on some um, breeds because she's really quite... Um, fibre sensitive and she tends to use a lot of merino she's just discovered that she can use bfl on her feet so that's a move forward and she wants to spin and try working with some other breeds just to see what else she can use because she doesn't want to just use merino so we've got all sorts of different breeds i don't propose to go through them all with you but as i've been spinning with them i'll probably come and talk to you about them um on the podcast because then what I will do is swatch them for crochet and for knitting and show you how they work but so I have a really different big up for you this month um three people and um, they are Sharna, Sarah and Chrissy as of my little cupcake Chrissy Crafts they've got together to create a crochet zine which is delivered on Instagram it's a really nice take on getting crochet content out there. So what they do is they put out um, squares, and by squares what I don't mean is like 
a square pattern, but it's patterns that are delivered in the Instagram squares um, every month. So they might be things like they have an interview with Kat Golden in there. And because it's all in written format, you can just go from one tile to the next to the next and get all of the interview from that. And with the monthly squares, you just click on the different tiles and it will take you through a pattern, a bit of information, um, how you need to create um, that pattern, basically. So it's a really nice way of getting crochet content through your phone without having to go into Ravelry or anywhere else, but you're already in um, a piece of social media that you're already interacting with. Um, like I say, it comes out monthly and they do more than just the monthly stuff. So there might be some fun bits and pieces in there and they do giveaways from Crochet Zine as well. So if you're interested, go and follow them. It is at Crochet Zine, Z-I-N-E, um, on Instagram. The next one is due out on the 30th of May. So as this podcast goes live, issue two of Crochet Zine will already be live with their next pattern. Um, I think it's a really great way of encouraging people to do little crochet projects and I think the ladies are delivering something that's different, that is fresh and um, kind of rolling with the the times basically and using social media for a really good benefit. So good luck to all of you, I hope it goes well, I know they've got loads of followers already and hopefully we can push a few more your way, that'd be good. Um, another big up this is slightly a big up and a big down, um, like a proper big thumbs down. I was sorting through a load of crafting magazines about a month ago. I went to mention this on last month's podcast and I forgot. And it wasn't until I had gone through maybe a pile of about 30 or 40 magazines. It wasn't until I got to the final one that I realised what a lack of diversity there was within the magazines. Um... It was predominantly one knitting magazine and when I got to the end there had not been one mixed race person in there at all. It was all skinny females, like size 10. Um, if you're lucky they were really pushing the boat out by having a red head on, on their front cover or as one of the models. There was just no diversity in terms of um, real age diversity, size diversity. Um, skin colour diversity, even length of hair, it was all long hair, there was nothing that was really changing it up and so then I started having a look at some of the other magazines that I get through, um, craft related ones and I was looking at um, Knitting Magazine and also Pom Pom Quarterly and I think they are really really good at covering body shapes, um, skin colours, age um, within their magazines, within their um, publications. But this one I was just a little bit gobsmacked by and it really wasn't until I got to the end of the pile that I thought, oh, why like, why in this day and age? I mean, in any day and age, it's ridiculous. But really, you need to get your act together and be representative of the community that is actually crafting um, I don't know if anybody else has thought about this or has um, kind of had the same thought structure that actually it's just, it's not good enough. I want to see everybody represented. I want to see more men in um, crafting magazines. I want to see shapely curvy girls like myself. I want to see brunettes. 
I want to see people of all skin colours um, and backgrounds. I don't just want this very kind of narrow profiling of what they think I want to have marketed at me. I want to see everybody in there. Um, yeah, let me know. I don't want this to get into a big crazy debate, but what I probably want to do is turn it around to the positive. I think Knitting and Pom Pom Quarterly do it really well. Which other crafting magazines uh, and journals do you think do it really well as well? Who should we be pointing people towards if they want to work with uh, or if they want to buy a magazine or a journal that actually is really good at being representative of people across the planet and people that craft? I'm intrigued to know because I would rather support those publications than the ones that um, are very narrow-minded about it. Um, yeah, let me know. I'd, I'd really like to get some information back from folk on what they think is good. So, some quick news beats for you. Um, today, if you're watching this on the day that the podcast goes, which is the 1st of June, is the start of the Summer Tops Cal. Um, this I'm going to run it until the 22nd of July um, midnight whips welcome I don't care if you're 10% off finishing your summer top it doesn't have to be a summer top you could be going into your winter time if you're in the southern hemisphere add that in it's really just our tops cal but given that the vast majority of the listeners and watchers to the podcast are kind of Europe and America the summer tops cal probably works best for um, for you guys so the premise is that you start your tops or you continue with your tops as of the 1st of June and the deadline is the 22nd of July. So you've got a good, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks to do a summer top. I'm wondering, you know, let's overextend myself once more. I might try and do one pattern and also design a pattern in linen. Um, I've got an idea in my head that I really want to get down on paper and if I don't do it for this cal then it won't get done this summer and it'll be just another design that doesn't come out of my noodle machine brain. So, um, yes, summer tops cal, there will be prizes. I've been accumula accumulating some nice little prizes again up in my stash palace. Um, and so again on Instagram it will be hashtag summer tops cal. There will be a thread in Ravelry opened up for it. Come on in. Let's discuss what it is that you think you might work on. Um, if you add bits and pieces to the Ravelry thread, I will create another bundle so you can see what everybody else is going to be working on. There are some really beautiful crochet tops out there and crochet really lends itself to summer tops because it's got that open lacework structure to it. Really lends itself to cotton and to linen as well and using some different yarns that aren't necessarily wool based. What I would say, if you're going to use linen, less so with cotton, definitely with linen, I would double check what the designer says about blocked versus unblocked measurements and gauge and tension. Linen will grow. And I would hate for you guys to use linen, create a beautiful summer top, and then um, wash it, block it, and for it to be like maybe 30% bigger. Linen really, really grows. So it's one of those that's definitely worth swatching, blocking, wet blocking it, 
and seeing how much it grows by and then using those measurements to define what size is it you want um, and creating a really beautiful garment. I can't wait to see what you all come up with and what you suggest and what you're going to make because I love having crochet tops um, in the summertime. Just under a little, um, I use like a little spaghetti vest and then have a crochet top on, on top of that. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're making so that I can hopefully make some of it too. Um, yeah, so I'll catch you up on that on the next podcast and let you know what my progress is and hopefully share some of the progress with uh, you guys. There's so many crochet tops that you could be um, working at and I think the magazines are kind of full of crochet garments at the moment as well. So knock yourselves out. Um, the next thing to let you know is that the next global hookup is on Saturday the 2nd of June. So again, if you're um, listening to this on the day it's come out, then it's tomorrow night. That's going to be at 8.30 British Summer Time. Um, and then I'm thinking about running another little one on the Sunday morning. Matthew and my dad are away having their bromance weekend down in London, going and listening to uh, live music. They're off to see Nick Cave. They're in London all weekend and I'm here on my own. And so I thought, well, what better? I'll just, I'll have two global hookups and be greedy. So I figured if we have the Saturday night one, and that's 8.30 British summertime, then that really works well for kind of Northern Hemisphere folk from um, America. And then if I do, and Canada, and then if I do the Sunday morning one on the 3rd at 9am British summertime, then that should be working for a kind of late evening for the Southern Hemisphere, so all you Aussies um, and folk that are kind of headed east, it might work a little bit better for you as well. This isn't something that I'm going to do all the time, but given that I've got the house to myself and it's easy for me to hold two global hookup sessions, then that's what I'm doing. So first one, Saturday the 2nd of June, 8.30pm BST. And then the second one is the following day, Sunday, the 3rd of June at 9am British summer time. I hope to see you there. I think that's it for quick news beats. So that just leaves me with J'adore. Um, and I just I sat here quietly for a little minute uh, thinking about what am I going to do J'adore. And this one thing um, pinged up in my mind and I thought, yep, that's, that's the one that really makes it for me. When I was at Woolwich Junction 13, I had a mother-daughter. I think the mum might have been generally cheerful, but you didn't tell me who you were, but I think it was you. Um, and her daughter is off to go to Nottingham Trent to go and do... They do a degree which is in textiles, knitting and design, and she's already doing design at college. And in September, she's off to go and do this as a degree. And I thought, how wonderful that our crafting community and it's moved on so much and the industry has moved on that there are degrees available I know other people that have gone and done it and I believe the one at Nottingham Trent is particularly good but it was just so nice to see a 17 18 year old that was like beyond excited to be going and doing that as a degree and you know an avid knitter an avid crocheter and that she was off to go and learn the ropes through formal education and was just buzzing about it, absolutely buzzing. And I just thought, I would love to have done that. I just, I, you know, if I had my time again, 
and a degree like that was available and I knew then what I knew now that's what I would go and do if I won the lottery I would go and do a degree in textiles and um, kind of bespoke crafts that's that's what I would be off doing I just want to learn everything and I thought imagine Imagine learning all of that at the age of 18 and going into it at that young age. How exciting for her. And she was just over the moon to be going to Nottingham, over the moon to be starting that next kind of adult phase of her life and going to do something that was just so fun and so interesting, I thought. So, I think that's it for this month. It feels like it's been a a little um, crochet light and crafting light and I'm sure you can understand why there's just there's not an awful lot I can do about that um, I'm looking forward to a summer of just being able to crack on with bits and pieces and really I've given my, my next show is in August the beginning of August so I've got a good what kind of two and a bit month period now to really get back to basics and sort out what I need to sort out and and be ready for the next crafting season, be ready for kind of August, September time when everything starts picking back up again. Um, and yeah, hopefully having a bit of time out as well because uh, I'm exhausted and uh, we are exhausted. Both Matthew and I have just been working and working and working and um, yeah, we need to have a little bit of time out and just relax a bit. So, um, like I said, I'm on Instagram and Ravelry, though if you don't hear from me much in the next couple of weeks, you know why that is. Um, but utterly looking forward to our summer tops, Cal. I should go straight into editing the podcast, but I just want to swatch for my top now and work out what top I'm going to do. Uh, but no, do not be a magpie. Do not be swayed by the shiny. Be a worker bee. Go and edit the podcast. That's what I'm off to do. Definitely not going to go and sit in that sunshine. Definitely not. No, not going to do it. Right, my lovelies. Thank you as ever for um, stopping by and watching the podcast and listening to it. Um, keep on the engagement with Instagram and Ravelry. I um, look at everything that goes out there. I just always, don't always get a chance to respond, but I do see it so... Um, I wish you the best of crafting over the coming month and I will be back at the beginning of July with a birthday bag pattern and various other bits and pieces. Have a lovely June, folks. See you soon. Bye-bye.